Ben, you've had a nice little trim since our last podcast. Thank you. Yeah, no, I just had a day off like a week ago, which is rare. And also, my day off coincided with my payday, and I thought, what can I do that will make me feel better? So I went to the hairdressers. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. I mean, to be fair, this was a longer gap than we intended, because I had, for the second time, I had COVID, Ben. I know, I know. How are you feeling? On a genuine I'm fine. Literally just a bit of a blocked nose now. Uh, I've been negative for three days now. Um, I was only testing positive for like four. Mm, like, like It was really brief. Um, you... I reckon different variant. The vaccines definitely helped. Because first time I had it, right? Proper lost my taste and everything. I felt ill. Like I was knackered the whole time. But this time it was just a cold. Mm. Just a cold. Have you had it yet, Ben? Uh, I must have, but I've never tested positive. But I'm pretty sure I had it early March as well, because this is going to make me sound like an evil person, because I also went to work a lot in this period. But one of my best mates... You probably got out of work, though, to be fair. Yeah. um, one of So I went out for my birthday, like, early March. One of yeah. my best mates tests positive. This is on the Thursday, test positive on the Friday. I test on the Friday, come out negative. Test on the Saturday, come out negative. So, you know... But I'm well aware I was in very close proximity to him the whole of my night. I even shared a drink. So, you know, I go see my parents on the Sunday. They then test but positive. Yeah, ben, none of you have got it. So my you know, parents then got it. So oh, oh, they got it, did they? Yeah. And my parents are hermits. Oh, transmitter, so, transmitter. So I think I found a link that was me. Yeah. Yeah, you were the link. So I must. I, so I'm we're not. Sure we're not promoting this, by the way. No. Um. I'm also saying I tested negative the whole time. It's just everyone around me keeps on getting COVID. It's happened like four times now, where all my mates get it and I'm the only one who doesn't. I think I'm immune. Maybe you are immune to the tests, or I know. even immune to COVID, but not immune to being a <gasps> transmitter. Transmitter. I also had it quite badly, um, in April 2020. So. Yeah. Maybe oh, that's oh. affected my immune system as well. Um, yeah. But anyway, also... um, welcome to the podcast with two COVID-negative hosts. Uh, it's Jake Dyer and Ben Heath. Welcome along. Cheers for listening. Coming up on the podcast today, Ben's been to the cinema uh, to watch X. He's going to be chatting about that. Uh, trailer talk. We're going to be talking about some big trailers that have dropped this week, including the new Miss Marvel trailer, which I really want to know more about, Ben. Uh, also, The Adam Project is a Netflix film. We're going to be discussing that. Also got your news coming up for you today as well, plus a Disney Pixar film called Turning Red. Is that the one that the song was playing on the chart the other day? Probably was. Is it a musical? Has it got songs in? Uh, not really. Um, it's got a boy band in, but I'll explain later. Firstly, yeah, okay. well, that might have been Disney... Canto you're thinking of. Oh, though, yeah, it might have been that, With yeah. We Don't Talk About Bruno. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a Spanish-y vibe. Yeah, in that's in Canto. Ah, okay, um, fair enough. But what have you been watching, Jacob? Oh, mate, you know, I had COVID, right? Um, and I'd love to say I, you know, went really indie and tried all this stuff on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, I didn't. Um, I kind of just... You know, to be fair, Ben, The Flash, right? I'm like, so I'm so far behind where I was. I used to watch it religiously every week. But I'm all caught up on that now, which is nice. Same with The Legends of Tomorrow. Um, But I've also just been going back to my classics, a bit of uh, Modern Family. 
I was expecting Prison Break. I say Modern Family is a positive surprise there. You like Modern Family, do you? I don't think it's bad. I, I like Modern Family. I've not religiously watched it or watched all of it, but I've watched bits of it. Oh, the ending of the, the final episode was emotional. I can imagine, because you were properly invested. Mate, first... No, it wasn't, though. That's the thing. Like, I've watched it all, but it was in lockdown, man. That first lockdown, when we needed something to binge. So I binged it all in, like, a week and a half. The whole 11 seasons. Mm. That was. It's just funny and lighthearted and modern, literally. Like, it's a modern show. Um, and it's just, just good fun. Mm. Yeah, I've been watching that, Ben. What about yourself? So, I have been watching an awful lot of Les Mis at work because I work at a theatre and that's on. I've also been watching a lot of shit because I've been recovering from St. Paddy's Day, which... um, Uh, How many Guinnesses did you have? Well, it was one quid Guinnesses at Jester's and I think it was somewhere... One quid for a Guinness? Mate, in the pub in in your village, it's five pound. I know. So I was just handing over my one pound coins... um, Jester's also, also famous. Also, change. Even cash in general. I don't feel like it's money because it's not like coming off of my bank balance. I'm like, I've got this here. Like, it doesn't really matter if it goes, is it? I know. I only get cash out to go to Jester's. Um, like, is w- Jester's some cool bar club? Well, it is technically, and you can Google this, the worst nightclub in the UK. Um, uh, this is one we spoke about on the podcast before. It's, wor- it's the worst, but you love it, right? Yeah, I adore it. It's the only nightclub in the country that I'm pretty sure has a tower stack of cups with pissing in the toilets. Um, oh, lovely. And does it stay there every time? Do you think someone just goes every day? It wasn't there last time I was there. I think I hope it's not so gone. The toilets do get cleaned. I've been on those floors. I'm not sure about that. Um, um, but no, God. the thing I have been watching that was quite good was the new Jeremy Kyle Death on Daytime documentary. I've only seen TikToks about it, and it doesn't look very nice. I mean, I wanted, you know, when Piers Morgan left Good Morning Britain, I wanted Jeremy Kyle. I, I, I said to said to Ben, oh, I think it would be a good replacement. Um, now this controversy has come out, he's never getting another job again. Well, to be fair, I think he was probably going to struggle to get work anyway, considering the nature of the show he made and that made him famous. It's a fascinating, this documentary, it's a fascinating look at what was a TV phenomenon in this country. I watched episodes. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Um, I think we can all admit we watched episodes, which means we were all part of the problem. Um, but to see how abusive that show was behind the scenes, it's just, it's grim. But it's, it's... an interesting watch, and you would love it as someone who's interested in TV. And it's production. Mate, it's so sad. I saw that they literally do lock contestants in a room backstage. Yeah, well, they would lie about what medicine they were on. The, it was the line that got me was they would say to people, oh, you will get a place in rehab to go on the show. You know, which is something that if you can't afford rehab, it's a reason why you'd go on the show. And then they would go to the families when they were just about to go on we're really sorry we only have one place for f- between three families. You're going to have to compete for the place. And Jeremy will pick whoever that made the best TV will be on it. So wow. they essentially told families they were fighting for their 
It's, it was best part of rehab. It's a shameful part of TV history. It mate, it just sounds horrible, you know. And I feel so guilty for. I like I said, I and love it. Shame, it's shameful. It only ended three years ago. Wow, because you know you hear this stuff and you're like, also, what I think is, would it still be running if? you know, what the events that actually happened to that led to the show's cancellation, would it still be running? I reckon, Ben, the answer is yes. Oh, 100% the show would still be going on. You'd have some mental stories to, with the pandemic, I think. Like, Yeah, and I'd love to see the stories, but I, I don't want it to happen in... But could you imagine if it was still going on during the pandemic, people would have been like, instead of saying, oh, I've been binging Shit's Creek, they would have been like, I've been burning through old episodes of the Jeremy Carl show. Like, loads of people would have watched that for hours. Yeah. And um, I don't blame them. Really. That's the sad thing. Mm. After, after hearing about the documentary, I, I wouldn't watch it ever again. But... You know, I, I can see why people would want to watch the show. It is a great show to watch. Am I, am I making sense? I think you are just... Just now. I think you would find the documentary interesting, Jacob. On a, also, what's hilarious is the five minute of legal notes at the end of it. What kind of legal notes? Well, it's statements from ITV, it's statements from Jeremy Kyle, it's statements from the participants, it's statements from the lawyers... Um, what was this? Cha- what channel did the documentary? I doubt it was ITV. Nope, it was Channel Four. ITV uh, gave quite a sassy. ITV put quite a sassy statement on the end. Um, say what? What did they say? Well, Jeremy Kyle's called it libel, which it isn't. Um, channel ITV have done a very like. We offered help, support. The exact same thing they say whenever any of these scandals happen, but as all the scandals... Love Island, all that. Yeah, but as all the scandals only ever seem to happen about ITV shows, maybe they don't... It's saying something. Yeah, I'm just saying... Fill in the blanks. I can't think of many MasterChef contestants who have committed suicide after. But they are very different nature of shows, to be fair. Yeah, Maybe the point is saying it's ITV makes quite exploitative TV. Yeah, but then we need to look into that genre of TV. And we need to look into ourselves as audiences for, like, watching and demanding this. Yeah, exactly. When people complain Love Island's not got arguments anymore, Mm. think of, is that a bad thing? Yeah. Really? Um... Ben, are you up to date with The Apprentice? Um, I haven't seen the interviews. Um, oh, I'm still dude. one week. I, I've heard some of the... I did watch the baby food one and the line, it looks like we want to kill children, was... Brilliant. First time dies. Yep. Or oh, what an episode. What an episode. Um, they're just all shit this year, though. That's the thing. I don't think any team has... I've been like, wow, they've nailed it. Hmm. No. In any tasks. None of the teams have nailed it. Um, the interviews, from what I've heard, like I've seen the final two, and it is a miracle one of them got there. Which one? Well, not to spoil it for the viewers, but the person who's been in the boardroom a horrific amount of times. Well, they both have. 
Okay, there were a couple in there. The problem with this season of The Apprentice has been you've essentially had a good 70% of the people in the boardroom, final three, have been Brit uh, Catherine, Stephanie and Akshay. It was always two out of the three of them who were in the bottom three, week in, week out. Yeah. Like, it was the one when they were in the final boardroom, and it was like, you're firing Akshay because he's been here six, seven times. Catherine's been here about six. And Brit and I think Catherine's going to win that. I think she will. I think Har and Akshay must have had really good business plans if they were kept in that long. I mean, Catherine's business plans, bloody pyjamas, matching pyjamas and also matching dog pyjamas. My family's got a set of those from M&S. Yeah, pyjamas, that's a solid business thing. It's also something Alan Sugar understands. Um, yeah. I've heard about Britney's product, which sounds interesting. Which one Which one was that? Is that the, the, the like, Alcoholic baby Alcoholic protein shakes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> No, like, I love I'm, the, a, um, I'm a fan of sticking alcohol in things but not when you're like bulking up for gym and not that we do that but <laughs> they sound like opposite ends of like I can see why she got that was right. her argument what that the alcohol the protein gets the alcohol counts they like cancel each other out mm. also I've, I I once again haven't seen the episode. But it's nice Claude was back. It's nice Claude was back. It is. It is. Even I though, love how are they going to find a way to have Karen, Claude and Tim Campbell all in the same? I can see three teams, you know. I was talking, and I think I mentioned this on the last part. They're too big, I think, initially, anyway, in the teams. I think three teams would make it a really weird dynamic. Um, I think we need Apprentice All-Stars. That's how you keep Tim Campbell in. You have him come back as a contestant. Yeah, but if he didn't win that, I'd just be awkward now. <laughs> yeah, but you rig it so he wins, like. Unless he makes. Um, also, could you not see, like you could put. Do you not see three teams? Because also, you know how they divide them into uh, men and women as well. I reckon. I think that's quite an old school style now. So I reckon just three teams from the get go. I think that's outdated, but. The yeah. reason why they do it is to make it easier for the audience to, like, split between the teams. Because That's if true. you don't know the contestants and you've mixed them from the beginning, it's the exact same reason why Hell's Kitchen does it. Or, like, Hell's Kitchen doesn't do it anymore, but they'll do something like rookies versus past contestants, and then they split yeah. it that way. So you need some way to differentiate from the teams. I reckon they could just do a red, blue and green team and have over wearing t-shirts or something. Yeah, I mean, but that would lose a bit of the business professionality of it. It would, it um, would. Yeah. I think an anyway. all-star season's what's needed though, because you could rig it so Tim Campbell wins by getting people who are fucking atrocious back. Right. Two people each we're going to say who we'd want to see in the All-Star series other than Tim Campbell. Mm. You first? Ryan Mark. Oh, yeah. Go. And Katie Hopkins. If she did... Well, she probably would do that because her career's on... I have not it's thought done. about her in ages. 
since she was banned off Twitter, she's become irrelevant. Is she banned off Twitter? Yeah, she was banned off Twitter like a year ago. <laughs> she's like never does. She used to be a regular on this morning. I don't think she does that anymore. I think people have realised she's racist. I think everyone knows she's racist and also sizist and also everything. Yeah. So, oh, God, but Ryan Mark would be... He's funny, isn't he? Yeah, but in a way that I strongly detest him. I hated him on Slebs Go Dating. <laughs> what was with his hat thing? That was purely just for, like... That was all made up, wasn't it? Mm. Like That's a TV show I would love to go on because I'm single and I need the dating agent's help. But you're not a celeb. So I need to become famous to do it. Okay, listeners. Overnight, we need our listeners to times by... 10 million or whatever. Yeah. So, my tea, my tea would be Elizabeth from a few years ago. Yeah. Like, you know, she was good TV. I would like yeah. to. And Akshay from this year. I love the oh, guy. Oh, you loved him, didn't you? I mean, he was so charismatic. How could he, you he not? He was the only interesting contestant this year. You bring back Nick as well, because he's, like, TikTok famous, and that duo is yeah, let's back. Yeah, bring back Thomas as well, then. Yeah, you've got to bring back Thomas, who did Celebrity Masterchef. Oh, I love him. That was an interesting, him on Celebrity Masterchef. Was he any good? He got to, like, the semi-finals. But, uh, oh, I just love him. He's him a top and Greg, lad, Him and Greg was a bit too much on the screen at the same time. Right, right, yes. Ben, we could talk about The Apprentice all day, but for our listeners that don't watch The Apprentice and maybe, you know, prefer Disney Pixar films from The Apprentice to Pixar, Ben, you've been to the cinema. Is it in the cinema, is it? Or is it on Disney Plus? It's on Disney Plus, sadly. It cost an extra amount to watch no. Disney Plus. Oh my God, that is a miracle, isn't it? Well, it's a Pixar film and Disney seems to like throwing Pixar under the bus recently. Okay, um, Disney Pixar's Turning Red. Yes, so this film sees Maylee, uh, played by newcomer, voiced by newcomer Rosalie Chang, who is a competent, dorky 13-year-old torn between staying as her mother, as dutiful daughter, but also being like chaotic and like a, basically a 13-year-old. Um, her mum, Ming, played by Sandra Oh, she's like overly protective, slightly overbearing, she never really lets her daughter out, out of her sight, which is unfortunate for a teenager, particularly when you like drawing erotic, or not even erotic, just like, you know, when you doodle about people you fantasise over? Like, those... I've never done that, Ben. I've never done that. It's the sort of thing you see in films, but I've never actually seen anyone do it. Okay. Well, I will move on. Um, and then, anyway, when her body's developing... Our relationships are developing. Life's getting di- too difficult for Ming. She suddenly finds out she t- can turn into a magical red panda. Um, in what is the least obvious, or is the most obvious metaphor in cinema history for pu- puberty and periods, which I am so here for Disney, Pixar, Pixar doing a film on puberty. Um, I liked... I did really like the metaphor at the heart of this film with the magical tramp. 
formation, making it palatable for... I'm just confused how, you know, a film that's for kids touches on puberty and that. I'm here for that. I'm confused as to how that and a red panda work together. Well, when May feels emotions... She transfer like too many emotions, like a thirteen-year-old teenager does, because your body is a hormonal mess. Um, yeah. She transforms into a giant red panda. Um, that's the bit I'm not getting, but maybe that's because I don't like Pixar. Yeah, I mean, there's it's fantastical and magical and quite amusing. Um, and imaginative. It's a very bold and daring film for Pixar. Um, yeah. She also turns back once her feelings stop being so overwhelming. Um, there's a wild energy. Um, I love things like it's set in 2002 and it feels very of that era, even down to the fictional boy band in the story. Um, feel like a 2002 boy band. Um. I was born in 2002. I think you were as well, weren't you? I was, yeah. What? Like, you're making it sound like this is, like, hundreds of years ago. And, like, some was 20 years era. ago. Pardon? It was 20 years ago. Oh, it was as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I've hit that number. God, I feel old. I know, I am old. Um, but, 20? Yeah. I'm 20 November. But no, this film is bright, it's funny, it's moving... It doesn't overload young audiences. I would say that they should, they would be able to watch it. Um, but it also doesn't contrasend teenagers and adults. Um, look, if you have kids, you may completely disagree with my take that it is appropriate for kids. But, you know, if their bodies are changing and their bodies are going to change because people grow up and puberty happens... Maybe releasing the red panda as a metaphor is quite a good way of doing it. And you know what? This is going to go over a five-year-old's head, all of that stuff. They'll just see it as a nice, cuddly bear. It sounds all right. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. I loved it. It's Pixar's boldest film in years. It's just a swing. And has has it landed? Has it, you know, it's bold, but has it worked? So... I think it's worked. Lots of my mates have watched it thinks it's worked. It has pissed off all I the... love how you've got 20-year-old mates that also watch this. Yeah, it's a Pixar film. Pixar Legends. They do the best films. Um, also, like their films work for everybody apart from you because you don't feel human emotions. Um, but all the like... Okay! All the slightly racist, slightly conservative, overprotective parents have maybe been slightly, oh my god, like Mumsnet has some interesting takes on this film that are slightly racist and slightly like, you can't talk about periods to kids, sex, it doesn't even exist. Right. You know, just let... But you think it's a good film? I love it. I've watched it once, but I want to rewatch it. So, you know, it's a pretty big news this week as well, Ben. Mm-hmm. I mean, has it? Yes. There's one big news story, and I've sandwiched well, it know. in between. You put two. the news in bold, and you've not done that before. So I, I always put it... the news in bold, don't I? No, you don't. Oh, um, well, that must have been an accidental formatting mistake. 
the middle story is the big one. We've sandwiched okay, what I'll is genuinely one. a massive story in between two fluff pieces. So, okay, talk about the fluff piece from number one. Florence Pugh has to voice Goldilocks in Puss in Boots, The Last Witch, a sequel. Why aren't we done with Goldilocks now? Like, come on. I mean, the key question is why aren't we done with Puss in Boots? It's been like, what, 11 years since I've got it wrote down on my laptop. It's been 11 years since the last film came out, um, which I was the target age for Puss in Boots um, when it I came out. I would have been as well, yeah. And the sequel's now out, and um, I work a job, have a degree, have moved out from home, sweat a lot, and have crippling debt. Um, like, I thought we were just done with Shrek as a thing of the 90s, but no. Here we have a new Sh- uh, Puss in Boots film called Puss in Boots The Last Wish um, that's coming out on the 23rd of September this year. It's got Florence Pugh. Love Florence Pugh. She's brilliant. She was brilliant in Black Widow. She was amazing in Fighting With My Family. I think she'll be great in Goldilocks. And I do quite like the way the Shrek universe interacts with fairy tales. But I've never watched Shrek. What the fuck? I know. Never watched it. You need to get really high and watch them because I think that's the only way you'll enjoy them. I don't get high, so you there need we to go. get really drunk and watch them. I do like getting drunk. Exactly. The cast also is great. Anthony Banderas is returning as Puss in Boots, obviously, um, as a cat who's found out he's on the ninth of his last lives. That's the premise of it, which I think is quite a good premise of the film. Um, you've got right. Sam Hayek's back for the sequel. You've got Olivia Colman's in the cast. Um, Harvey Guilin from What We Do in the Shadows is voicing a dog. Fair. I don't think this uh, is I mean, going to be I love a how you, I love how you started off this segment saying it's a bit of a fluff, but you actually seem very excited, Ben. I don't think this is going to be a bad film. Um, and I'm, I've am i got feelings about Shrek films. I'm attached to them. I'm just I'm questioning not. why... It's coming out like the original Puss in Boots is still a good film. I'm just I watched. Why is Locks in it? Because they have all the fairy tale characters in the Shrek films. I mean, I wouldn't know. I haven't seen it. Okay. Shrek Three was the original. Enough of the Goldilocks. I'm bored of that. Shrek Three was the original Avengers Endgame. Was it though? Yeah, it created the team up film before any other one did. Right. Um, the big news uh, this week, Ben. I'll let you do the honours. You are eager. So, this is a bit business talky, but Amazon have completed its 8.5 billion purchase... Billion? Billion purchase of M- the studio MGM. So, it's bought one of the biggest studios. A massive thing. What does this studio do? So this means Amazon Prime now has the intellectual rights to fra- to the Rocky franchise, Silence wow. of the Lamb franchise, Leaky Blonde, Robocop, Thelma and Louise. It's got TV shows like The Handmaid's Tale, Survivor, Shark Tank, which is the US version of Dragon's yeah, Den. Dragon's Den. I watched that, I know. The Real Housewives. Um, also, it's got the American rights to the James Bond side of it. Oh, wow. Which could lead to some interesting things. I mean, if this means we get season four of Hannibal, yes, please. Um, <laughs> I think there's 
lot that can be done with the Rocky franchise. Or the I same. love that franchise, man. Or Legally Blonde. I know there's a new Legally Blonde coming up. I think they could do some interesting thing with Robocop or Farron Louise. It's exciting. There's a lot of possibilities. And MGM, which is the one with the lion in for you, Jacob. Um, yep, uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. oh, like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. They really should reboot you. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I love that film. Let's reboot it. Who would you cast? No, this is a whole topic for another episode. I want a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang reboot. Go on, who... I, I, oh, I don't know, man. I'm thinking... Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda love... plays the Dick Van Dyke role. Yeah, I'm thinking... I'd love to see Tom Felton in it. Mm. I think he'd be quite good. As, like, the head, the king of the... Yes, yes, exactly. Wouldn't um, he be great at that? Yeah, no, he would be. Um, what else? The granddad. Who could play the granddad? Um, Who could play the child catcher? Oh, yes. Oh, you want Willem Dafoe. Iconic Willem Dafoe has to play the child catcher. Really? Oh, yeah. I can see that. That's... Um, who... Who could play the granddad? This is... I love <laughs> how this, this is our weird... Yeah, but essentially, Amazon, you've bought MGM. Now you have to give us our Chitty Chitty Bang Bang reboot. And yeah. also, we will take 10% of the cut for it being our idea. Yeah, um, I will even write the script of an updated script for you. I mean, I will be in it. Cast me as any role. Um... Yeah, let's let's make this happen, Amazon. So essentially what we've said is MGM has thousands of films and TV shows and hours under its belt. But the IP we need you to work with is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Please, then we will love you all over again. Uh, the Doctor Strange director is uh, plunging into the gorge. That is your next news title in bold. Is it another bluff? Yes, um... So, Scott Derrickson, who directed the first Doctor Strange film, starring... I don't bloody know. Don't, don't our, do that again. Who's our favourite actor on this podcast? Oh, here we go. Oh, he could be in um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang as well. He could be the child catcher. He could be the child catcher. I mean... Let's if, keep his clothes on. We're yes. on about Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, if he's the child catcher... That element that we normally like to talk about with him is staying. Well, I don't know if we like to talk about it. I think it's quite like amusing and it's now become a joke. We but I would up, say I love it. We bring it up a fair bit and I don't think it would work for the child catcher other than making it a completely different film. Yes, and us coming across as two creepy blokes. <laughs> Are we not that but already? But Ben Cumberbatch, who Ben loves his penis... <laughs> so do you, Jacob. You bring it up more than I do. I do bring it up more, to be fair, but I don't a lot more. Oh, okay, you're right. Are you hiding something? <laughs> no, I am not. Anyway, um, so Scott, he'd be a good child catcher. But anyway, you know, he uh, go back to Doctor Strange. Yeah, so he's not directing the new Doctor Strange film that's coming out in a couple of months. Um, but instead, he's 
directing The Black Phone, which is another horror film that's coming out soon that's been seen. And he's also signed on to direct The Gorge, which I've heard is like an action movie with some love story elements. The only reason I think this story is slightly interesting is we've got no other news and the fact it made it onto the blacklist of unproduced screenplays in 2020, which means it's one of the exciting screenplays doing the rounds. Which means the film, Scott Derrickson, he's an accomplished director, it could be one that we all talk about in two or three years as something phenomenal. And we just wanted to, you know, keep some continuity with the podcast and speak about them if they come back. Yeah, what what would we be without that mention? Um, Ben, literally someone at work today was telling me to go watch The Adams Family. Now, The Adam Project is the new Netflix film. They're not related, are they? No, they're not related. Um, the Adam. Well, I was just checking. Just. No, it was a smart idea to check before you dived straight into thinking there was a connection, which you've done a couple of times before. Um, Exactly. Better to be safe than sorry, innit? Yeah, I mean, Google is your friend on this type of thing. Um, No, so this film, it's Netflix's number one film, or at least was for like a bit last week. Um, It sees a time-travelling pilot, played by Ryan Reynolds, team up with his younger self and his late father, played by Mark Ruffalo, to come to terms with the past to save the future. Um, It reunites Ryan Reynolds with director Sean Levy. They both directed Free Guy last year, which was a film I adored, or worked together. It's a collab that's creating fresh new IPs. Um... That said, The Adams Project, it's got a kind of generic made-by-committee feel, which is probably because it's went through lots of directors and lots of writers and has been banded around a lot over the year. I mean, it combines action and humour and one-liners. It just, it feels aggressively okay. Um, That's never a good thing to say. Oh, it's aggressively okay. It's... It's like most Doesn't Netflix. Doesn't really want to go watch it, honestly, mate. Most Netflix films are kind of aggressively okay. They're like fun. They unlike get you kissing through booth, a couple of hours. Your shit. Yeah, unlike the Kissing Booth franchise, but most of them are not. Netflix are satisfied with seven out of ten films because they stop you from cancelling the service. Um, and also, they're never gonna you know, have films in cinemas. That's not what Netflix is about. This is the type of film that would have been in cinemas 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and would have made a fair amount of buck as well. Um, And actually, sometimes you watch a Netflix film and you go, that would never make it onto cinemas. This is 100% a cinematic film for the platform. So's Turning Red. That's a cinematic film that was made for the big screen that's on Disney Plus. This feels like it was made for the big screen on Netflix, um, which is a good sign for the future. It just happens to be a film that's aggressively okay. I mean, all I can take away from the Adam Project is that it's not uh, related to the Adam families, and it is aggressively okay. Have you? I'll leave you with that. Have ben, you would never you go seen and watch the Adam's family? Again? No, I haven't. You've heard of it, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was, I was checking. Duh, 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 duh. Is it good? Depends which one. There have been some good ones. 
a lot of mediocre ones. And the Sack and an Adam Family film that came out last year was absolutely dog shit. So, depends which version you watch. Some trailers have come out as well this week. Nothing quite as exciting as our last podcast. Oh, that Obi-Wan trailer. I, I'm disagreeing with you. Two of these trailers. Hang on, Ben. Hang on. Hang on, hang on. Before we get into that, before we get into this, you sent me a text this week, off the cuff, randomly, saying Obi-Wan actually looks quite good. Yeah, I rewatched the trailer and did a reverse ferret. Um, I also, I never said it wasn't going to be good. I said the trailer didn't look good, which I've reverse ferreted on. Um, but you are looking forward to it now, right? Yeah, I mean... It looks better than the Mandalorian trailer and the Book of Boba Fett trailer combined. Yeah, but those two didn't have any exist... Well, one of them didn't have existing characters or lore, and the other one... one of them didn't have nowhere near as hype as this, man. And the other one, I was you said didn't have nowhere near as much hype, and I basically think the Book of Boba Fett was a terrible, terrible TV show. I don't think it's going to get a second season. No. It was a massive failure for Star Wars. Um, but no, let's not talk about Obi One. We talked about. I it mean, can if you want, Ben. Like, like we we can talk about it if you know. You do. I think it's what the listeners want to hear. Is you talking about it again? I just got sent some like Luke and uh, Ahsoka fan fiction earlier on Instagram. Mm. Ahsoka's getting yeah. a TV show, isn't she? Yes, I cannot wait for that. I'm very excited about that. Plus, this is the first time we're going to see like a lead Star Wars female TV show, and I'm here for it. Yeah, um, and as we'll get to, Marvel's quite comfortably beating Star Wars on female characters at this point. Yes, um, Marvel have had a female character strong show. Uh, and films, lead. and... And they yeah. don't and have. And they, coming up and later. They don't have, they don't have their lead female characters kissing their brothers. Um, okay. Um, okay, that was written before they knew that they were related, and also the characters at the time didn't know they were related either. So yeah, uh, let's talk about some trailers though before we get into Marvel and Ben's slice off Star Wars. You know, we know he's excited for Obi Wan. I'll take that. Uh, the boys. So, this might be one of my favourite TV shows that's out. I am so pumped for season three of The Boys. Um, the trailer you, which You released. spoke about this on the podcast before. You like this, right? I adore The Boys. It's one of the funniest, most subversive, most outrageous TV shows. The character development is genius. And they were doing a panel at South by Southwest a couple of, like a week ago. And they dropped this 30 second teaser trailer. And a lot happened in that we've got the tease that butcher is finally getting superpowers which means he's going to be coming at the superheroes with his own superpowers we've got homelander being homelander just flying around and being an evil guy um jack quaid's back he's great that even though the trailer was 30 seconds genuinely so much was in that it's like you know Maybe it's just because I really liked the show and I could pause it and every shot was telling me something big. Um, or my hype could not be bigger. Exciting, exciting. Um, also, uh, Ben, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 
spoke about that the other day. They've released their final trailer. Yeah, this film has seemingly done a lot of marketing because it seems to be either in the news or trailer talk every other week. Um, look. This trailer showed us quite a funny scene of Sonic running down a mountain and then jumping into Hawaii using those ring things. It showed us more of Jim Carrey being insane evil Dr. Robotnik, which is a character development I'm here for. I like the Sonic film. The Sonic film too looks quite good. I, we have very different tastes, Ben. I think every, every week I'm learning that you like some more and more childish stuff. I am quite childish in my test. The Boys is the opposite of childish, though. Is it funny as well? Yeah, like, that's hard adult, that show. Right. There's a lot of exploding heads. Okay. You so would enjoy The Boys. the Hedgehog. You would enjoy The Boys. I actually think I have quite wide tastes. Like Yeah, I think I would enjoy The Boys, actually, to be fair. Yeah, no, it's properly... Good. Also, I prefer, like, prefer the boys to the stuff it satires. Like, I prefer it to other superhero shows. Um, I mean, you don't really like superhero shows, do you, in general? No, I find I always end up rooting against the superheroes. I mean, yeah, but you do like to go against the, like, norm in real life anyway, so I think that just speaks... I mean, I am watching Les Mis at work, or not watching, it's on at work. I'm catching glimpses of it. Um, as yeah. I should say, um, and I'm sitting there going, I'm rooting for Javert, like I'm rooting against the main character. I mean, I just love, this is why I love the original trilogy in Star Wars, the prequel trilogy rather, sorry, prequel. Um, I love that the good guys lose, okay? I love sand. I love how it's bringing back Star Wars. Uh, anyway, we touched on Star Wars already today, and we mentioned that Marvel are beating Star Wars in terms of female leads, and they, they are, with this trailer that shot this week, the trailer did, for Miss Marvel. Did you watch it? Uh, no, I didn't, but I have seen a lot of, you know, comments on, on the good old Twitter. The trailer, I thought, looked bad. I thought it looked good, like... Boom, I thought it looked properly... The, the, the words on Twitter were, that trailer was badass. Yes, I think it looked badass. Um, firstly, You were I loved, trying to find the words. I loved the use of the song, like, Blinding Lights, you know, the weekend song that was big yeah, like two no, years ago. I really don't like that song, though. I don't either, but they used overplayed it in a... Overplayed to death. It was overplayed to death, but they actually used it in a way that was effective for this trailer. Um... um I thought, actually, this is a Marvel show because there are so many coming out. Same with Star Wars. I'm not really excited for any of them. And then I saw this trailer and I thought, my God, I love this. I like the idea of showing like a, I, I can't remember what she called herself, but like an Indian girl from Queens. Like nothing spectacular about her, but she just becomes her dream. Um, I thought it looks colourful and it looks flashy and it looks vibrant and it looks fun. And superhero films and shows, we had the Batman two weeks ago, they should be fun. You know, it looks like something... Superhero, that, that, this whole superhero uh, franchise or the genre, shall I say, is dominating at the minute. Yeah, 
and it they should be camp. Superheroes should be camp. There is something innately camp about people who dress up in tight costumes and run around fighting. That's true. Like and like even Superman, someone that wears boxers over his trousers. Like, come on, that is very, very camp. Like Batman and Superman, they're in, they're innately camp and comedic and for kids. And I just wish people more often they would accept that and just lean into it. And that's what Miss Marvel looks to be doing while making some serious points. Now, if I was ever to get my hands on Batman and they ever let me loose with that film, it would be so camp. It would be brilliant. Like I, I would, it would be brilliant. Ben. I, I would go would just full Joel. Track. I would go full Joel Schumacher. I do not doubt that. Uh, ben, finally, we're going to talk about the film that you've seen in cinemas this week. Now, what is it with this letter? Uh, right, There's, this letter's everywhere. There, there was a ride. I think there. Uh, not sure if it's still there. A ride at Thorpe Park called X. There was the X Factor. What is it about this letter that? Just keeps coming back. Anyway, X. X rays. Yeah. Xylophone. There we go. Something about X. Uh, X is in cinemas right now. It is set in 1979, where a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. I now know why this is called X. It sounds X-rated. Uh, but where their, uh, their uh, reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, they cast find themselves fighting for their lives. I did that very well and very dramatic. I know, you did it much more dramatically than when I do a plot summary. Um, yeah, so as you worked out yourself, Jacob, it's called X, alluding to the X-rated films. Um that the cast are making. Um, what does X rated stand for, though? I know what it is when something's X rated, but what does the X actually mean? It's like the US version of an 18. No, 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 no. I get that, but what does X stand for? I don't know. Do you know what I mean, though? Uh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I just don't know what it stands for. Okay, anyway. Um... Let's talk about X. Is it a good film? So, yes. Uh, I do, actually. Um, I think... It's very, it's an indie horror film. Um, it's creative, and the direction is bold. I don't want to get too much into, you know, spoiler territory. Um, yeah. I thought Mia Goff was excellent as Maxine, the kind of starry-eyed ingenue who's kind of in equal parts like an ordinary actress trying to find work, but also using her sexuality and ambition. I think it's T. West who's directed it, who he's done horror films in the past, but this feels like a return to form for him. <laughs> right. Through, like, his he's experimenting, but doing it within the formal conventions. The stuff like the soundtrack, there's an excellent use of uh, Landslide by Fleetwood Mac in there. Um, and I also really like the way that seeing the X-rated act ignites life into the elderly couple, um, right. who I think it's slightly twisted and spun on what the audience would expect. I don't want to ruin it for people, because I think people should... Go out and see it knowing as little as possible. 
Is it is it a good film though? Would you recommend people to go watch it? Or you know, you said it is an indie film. Is it too niche? No, I think it's a great film. Um, I think it's bold and ambitious and scary and moving, and it never feels too long. It feels precise and exacting and rigorous. Um, I cried. I think the performances are great. I think the directing is excellent. It's not going to make itself onto my end of year list. But if you're a horror fan, there is not a single reason why you shouldn't check this film out. It seems bizarre that, you know, the the premise of the film is, but it's actually a horror film. I know it sounds weird. Yeah, but it, it becomes a horror film. Trust a horror me. film based on people making an X-rated movie. Yeah, but that's does that like work. The premise of that does it work? Yeah, it does, and it's more than. You can tell it's half twelve at night. <laughs> yeah, the and I've just been at work all evening. Um, As have I. Mm, yeah, we're both tired. Um, we're both tired. Anyway, Ben, we're going to leave it there. What a uh, what a great pod podcast! There's a couple of things I really want to go and watch. Uh, I really want to go watch the Jeremy Carl documentary. I want to give the boys a watch. Uh, we need this uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang revamp ASAP, please. And uh, next week, Ben, I've got something I'm going to be reviewing. Oh, what's that next week? Have you heard the new BBC Three? Heard about the new BBC Three dating show called Love in the Flash? No, are you on it? Yeah, of course. No, I'm not. Couples that have only ever met online meet for the first time in person. Uh, it's hosted by Zara McDermott, former Love Island main Chelsea fame, now does BBC Three documentaries. And um, I have a massive crush on her, so uh, I'm going to be watching it. Yeah, that um, sounds... I'm going to be reviewing it, if that's okay with you, Ben. Yeah, we can talk about that. No, exciting. Also, catch up on The Apprentice. Oh my gosh, next time we record, we will know who won. We will. So get it's, watching it. Uh, also, listeners, get liking the podcast, get subscribing, leave us a nice review, go follow us on Twitter, at ArticuFilm, BenHeath101 at gmail.com if you want to get involved. And of course, just go to the Film website to see the reviews we spoke about today without me interrupting and also more reviews as well all up on our website we will catch you on the next one i've been jacob Dyer. he's been ben heath and uh well we're off to bed now aren't we goodbye I can't wait bye <laughs>